You are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. And there are no assigned seats here at the Calvary Church. Okay? And I just want to... That's not an expectation. Our expectation and hope is that you will take advantage of the classes and the forms that we're offering because our heart and intention is to meet the needs of the church and to equip the saints for ministry. That's our job as the church. So please work in cooperation with us. If there's a class to go to, if there's a fellowship forum available to you, please avail yourself of that. And the church said amen. All right, and then the second announcement is that life groups are starting, yay, on February the 26th, and I encourage you, I admonish you, in the name of our Lord, please commit to a life group, either to lead it or to be a part of it, and I don't mean commit by signing and never showing up. Sorry, guys, I'm a little bitter, okay? As a wannabe life group leader, please, thank you, Bill, thank you, please commit to it in your heart. If you're undecided, really pray about it, because again, this idea of fellowship is absolutely essential for you to be whole as a Christian, for you to be effective as a believer. You have to be connected to the body of Christ and life groups is a very specific way and proven way to help you get connected. I hear often, I don't feel connected. And that is a legitimate thing. That is a difficult thing. I had to change churches twice in my life for school, and when I got married, one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. And so I understand, but I also understand in order to feel connected, it requires effort from us to show up, to classes, to fellowship, to life groups, to put yourself in that vulnerable position, and God will help you, he'll give you the grace, and he will back your play if you'll do the right thing, okay? Amen. So, I want you to agree with me tonight for the Reed family. I'm sure that many of you are aware that Sister Janice was hospitalized yesterday, a bad fall, and obviously a very difficult season. And time for their family, and we are going to continue to bang on heaven's door for our friends and ask the Lord for his mercy, for his covering, for his healing, and for his direction for all the needs that are represented in this situation. If you have a need tonight, we want to just raise your hand with me and acknowledge that to the Lord and maybe to the people around you that you stand in the need of prayer. Let's ask the Lord to be with us tonight and cover these needs. God, we love you and we thank you to be in your house with your people to study your book. God, I pray, Lord, that you would just confirm your word in our lives tonight, that for every person that made the effort, Lord, to be here, God, that you would meet their need, that you would exceed their expectations, that you would heal them through your word. I pray for the Reed family, Lord, that your covering would be on Sister Janice tonight. 
Oh God, heal her body. Anoint those given charge over her care. I pray for your mercy. I pray for your help in all things that concern her. We pray over Sister Diana Reed, Lord, that she would heal her body, Lord, through your mighty power, through this chemo. Whichever way you choose, Lord, we just believe and ask you for complete healing, for the miracle of recovery, and for no long-lasting impacts in her body and in her health. And it's in Jesus' name that we ask these things. And everybody said? Amen. Greet somebody as you are seated in the presence of the Lord. Say howdy. Yes, yes. And as you're making your way to your, your seat, your unassigned seat, here in this holy place, I just want to testify and thank God that it was 16 years ago today that Tom and I pulled up to a house in Liberty Township to move to the Calvary Church. And I thank God for the honor of serving all of you, my home standard of churches, in my opinion, the Calvary Church. And God has called all of us to the kingdom for such a time as this. And it is a privilege to be a part of this church and to represent and pursue the promises of God that I believe are still coming to pass. This church is a place of healing. This church is a place of sending. And we are committed to do that until Jesus comes. And so I just want to thank the Lord for sending me home 16 years ago. Amen. And so, oh, thank you. I just want to say I love you. So here we are in week five of our Names of God series. I've personally been so challenged and a little geeked out about this series. I hope it's been a blessing to you. But to get our minds back in this vein after a week away from it, we started with the foundational names of God. Elohim, the creator. Jehovah, the relational God. Yes, Adonai, the God who rules. And then Sister McGehay blessed us with a lesson on Abba, Father which let us know that God doesn't want to just be uh, the father of us all, as the Bible tells us, but he wants to be our personal father. Amen. Last week, we looked at two names, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider, and we looked at the origin of that name that was very telling. It was what Abraham called God after he provided a ram in the thicket in the place of Isaac, his son. And we realized that the original context of this name, Jehovah Jireh, was not one of abundance. It was not a happy, pleasant situation that Abraham found himself in that day. But what we realized is there is a pattern here with the names of God and deeper revelation of who he is, that many times it is in the midst of a personal trial. It's in the midst of the uh, testing of our faith, so to speak. Micah put it this way in chapter 7, verse 8. Rejoice not against me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. We love that part. That's really the only part we hear of that verse. 
Whoa. I'm coming for you, Satan. But the last part of that verse is just as important as the first. And when I sit in darkness, the Lord will be light round about me. That word for light means illumination. It could mean revelation. Micah is identifying with what we have realized in this series, that in the darkest of times, the Lord shines down a bright understanding of who he is in the context of the need that we have. Because for every need that we have, God has a name that covers that need. Amen. And so what we have seen this far is that God wants to reveal himself to us as the source of all the help we will ever need. He doesn't want to just be a resource to us. God does not want to be Santa Claus. He doesn't want to be our 911 emergency phone call. He doesn't want to be that lifeline in the game show of life when there's nowhere else to turn. Then I turn to God. Oh, no. We understand because of what David exemplified for us that we can know who God is in our personal relationship with him. And it equips us for what we continue to face in our lives. That's why young David showed up at the battlefield that day and talked smack to a behemoth of a specimen who had been mocking God and his people for days. David showed up with an expectation that was informed not just by his prayer life, but by his personal experience. And that's why he tells Goliath, you will fall like the lion and the bear. What God has already done for me assures me that he is Jehovah Sabah. He is the Lord, my warrior. He fights for me. And I just want to remind you before we go into our next name that sometimes what we need to do in crisis is recall to mind what God has already done for us, specifically in the context of the need that we face. That's what David did. He said, I've got a fight on my hands right now, and I know that God has a name. God has an identity that says he will fight for me in this situation. And you have that same testimony, and the devil works very hard to make you forget. But David is essentially saying something that I think is very relatable for you and I, that maybe it's the lion of loss and depression. Maybe it's a bear of confusion and financial duress that you and I can stand up and speak in faith as we ask God, I know you to be the one who fights for me. I know you to be the Lord of hosts. I've heard the stories. I know testimonies of people who've actually had angelic encounters. And so I know that they are available to me. Could you just take a moment with me and think 
about a time when God has been your provider. When God has been your warrior, the one who fought for you. I think it'd be good if we just took a moment right now, maybe raise your hands and just worship God for being those things in your life. God, you've already done it. And so whatever need that we have come in here with tonight, God, we're going to push against it in your great name to believe that what you have done before, you can and you will do again. Amen. He's your God. He's not just Abraham's God. He's not just Abraham's provider. He's not just King David's warrior God. That's the God that you and I serve. And so tonight our first name is Jehovah Shalom. Our first of two names. The Lord is peace. Has anyone in here said... I just want peace. I'm going to go on a limb and say it's probably in the context of rowdy children or obnoxious teenagers. I'm blessed with this word tonight. Even some of you grandparents, the queen mom, God love her, she abides with us now. And she'll just say, it's like deja vu. But now she laughs at me. I caught her a few weeks ago. She stood over the kitchen sink and belly laughed at me. While I am just pulling my hair out. Like, oh my God. Please let them live. That's my constant prayer. God, help me to let these children live. In hopes that they will become decent human beings and live for the Lord. But I know that when we were kids, it was something else. People still ask us, what was it like having four girls? You cannot imagine. Whatever you think, it was worse. <laughs> it was loud. It was wild. And my dad's parents, they were so brave. They would take the three of us. This is pre-K. The three of us on trips by themselves. God loved them. And they were in their 70s. I mean, so brave. And we would sit in the back of that Lincoln Town car, and as big as that boat of a vehicle was, it wasn't big enough for three little Pasley girls. And so Grandma would get so upset, almost to the point of tears. I can't believe the way you fight. I just, you know, she only had one child, so she had no context for siblings. Just rebuking us in the name of Jesus. And if I'm lying, I'm frying. I mean everything she could think of. And we're just sitting there possessed like, what's the problem? You know, so we're just fighting and carrying on. And granddad's way of coping was to laugh. He would say, might as well laugh, we can't cuss. And so he was hysterical. In hindsight, Alicia, he was hysterical a lot of the time. And now I know why. He's trying to keep him saying things he shouldn't. But he would laugh as we fought, and Grandma would yell, and it was just a circus. And he would say, fight, you devils. I hate peace. <laughs> and that is a family line that has remained, fight, you devils. Of course, he didn't feel that way, but it made him feel better, right? But Jehovah Shalom the Lord is peace. Oh man, God 
God doesn't just give us peace. He is peace. Man, some of us could shout right now just thinking about that, that if you have Jesus Christ in your life, you have peace. You have access to peace. Because the truth is there is nothing peaceful about life on this planet. There is unleashed conflict and turmoil and torment and confusion, anxiety like people would have never imagined because we're living in the last days. And Jesus is coming soon. We believe here at Calvary in the second coming of the Lord. And we look for that. Amen? John chapter 14, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. In these verses, Jesus gives us the hope that we so desperately need here in 2023. I will come back for you. Hallelujah. Amen. And I leave you with my peace. Because our peace doesn't come from the world. It shouldn't come from the world because if our peace comes from people and things, then guess what? Things and people will take our peace away. But part of our problem with this promise that Jesus has made of peace is that we define peace incorrectly. Our expectation is very much a human one. We want an absence of conflict. Peace to us means stop fighting. Shut up. Quit that. Everything is good. Everything is roses. Everything is wonderful. God, make all of the bad stuff go away, and then I can have peace. But peace, the word that Jesus used in John 14, is tranquility, harmony, security, safety. Some of us are like, yeah, right. It may surprise us to look and see that the only place Jehovah Shalom actually appears is in the book of Judges. I'm going to go on a limb and guess that is no one's favorite book of the Bible in this room. I'm reading it right now, and it is, it is rough. It's full of conflict. It's brutal. It's ugly. It's a vicious cycle of God's people disobeying him, getting so bad off that they repent, and God restores them, and then they sin again, and it's the whole book. It's just one big cycle. And what's really uh, appalling to realize is they're in the promised land when they're doing all this stuff. And so that's kind of a hint to you and I to say we can be where God wants us to be and still have troubles. Some of our own doing and some that are not our own doing. But here's the bottom line in the book of Judges that submission is a big deal to God. That obedience is always the right choice. Dad used to say partial obedience, which is what they were doing in Judges. Partial obedience is total rebellion. I 
hated it when he said that. But it's true. And that's how God responded to their disobedience. That the struggles they had were a direct result of the fact that they were serving the gods of the people that they were supposed to conquer. Because they didn't conquer them completely. And so Tony Evans says this, the Israelites neglected to realize that the God who was good enough and powerful enough to get them out of Egypt could also sustain them in Canaan. And so we face our struggles sometimes in our own strengths. We too worship, we cope, we depend on things other than God, the one who brought us out of Egypt. And so it's in this context of sin and strife that we find a man named Gideon hiding in a wine press. I love this. Gideon is doing two things. He's hiding grain and he's hiding from the Midianites in the wine press because no one is going to look for grain in the wine press. And so if you read Judges 6, and I'm not going to for the sake of time, I advise you to read it in the New Living Translation. It's much easier to understand. But in verse 12, the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon and says, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. <laughs> and there he is, hiding. Awesome. And so the angel tells him, God's going to use you. You're going to fight. It's going to be awesome. And Gideon argues with the angel and says, but my clan's the weakest. And I am the least in my entire family. I'm the underdog. There's another pattern. God has a way of using people no one expects to be used. Like David, he's saying, I, I can't do that. And so then the Lord says to him, I'll be with you. And you'll destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. I love this. Verse 22, when Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he cried out, O sovereign Lord, undoomed, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. He's even freaked out that he just spoke with an angel. God loved Gideon. He's just like us. Verse 23, it is all right, the Lord replied. Do not be afraid. You will not die. And Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and named it Yahweh Shalom. Isn't that powerful to understand that Gideon found himself in an impossible situation? And not only that, Gideon admitted, I am a basket case. I am a wreck and I'm the underdog. I'm freaked out that an angel will talk to me. And God says, I'm going to be with you, and you're going to make it. Here's a quote for you, and it's from me. To be totally dependent on God is the safest place to be. That's what I've learned in the last five years of my life. The enemy would love to convince you that you're more vulnerable that way, that you'll be ineffective that way, that you'll be discredited that way. And Gideon shows us that when we are totally dependent on God, we are at our safest and we are actually at our strongest because we depend on the Lord who is peace. Gideon identified Jehovah as the Lord is peace in a time of personal crisis like many other people. And Dr. Evans points out that peace is more than calm. That's why Jesus said in John 16, these things I've spoken, into you, spoken to you that in me, 
peace in the world. You will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Isaiah chapter 9 says he is the prince of peace, of the increase of his government and peace. There will be no end. You see, the peace of God defies explanation. It is available to us, and you can experience it when it literally doesn't make sense to have wholeness, to have calmness, to have inner tranquility. It's the phenomenon that explains why Jesus could sleep in a ship that was rocking in a storm. It explains why the angel sent to save Peter from prison the night before his execution had to wake Peter up. I'm sorry, but if I was on my way to the guillotine, I would not be snoring. And yet, Peter must have had this peace, this person of peace with him. And that is what's so powerful to understand is that peace is not just a promise. It's a person. And that person, if you are a spirit-filled believer, resides with you, is with you wherever you go and fully available. Amen. And then finally, our second name as we get into act time, Jehovah Nisi, the Lord my banner. Now, let me define this word banner for you a little bit because it's not something that I think naturally resonates with us in our modern culture. Banners, Dr. Evans explains, have been important throughout history as visible declarations of authority and allegiance. The Bible dictionary defines this name for God, Jehovah Nisi, this way. Jehovah, my banner. The title given by Moses to the altar which he erected on the hill, on the top of which he stood with uplifted hands while Israel prevailed over their enemies, the Amalekites. The International Standard Bible Encyclopedia adds this. The suggestion is that the people rally around God as an army gathers around its standard. He it is leads them to the victory. So for us in America in 2023, it's the same way we buy gear or merchandise to show our allegiance to our country, our school, our home team. God love them. Moment of silence. No. Moving on. Banners are often hung or waved to declare commitment, allegiance, and victory. And while this may not resonate with us now like it did then, the visual of a banner would translate for us as a flag representing a nation or a team. I believe I have a picture to help you understand glory. Did you feel something when that picture came up? OH? Alright. So there they are. They are waving a banner showing their allegiance, 
their authority in that game scenario. And so we find Moses calling God Jehovah Nisi in the middle of a battle. How about that? Surprising, right? In Exodus 17, we find the story, and for the sake of time, I'm going to edit it down for you. But they were fighting the Amalekites in a valley, and God had Moses up on a hilltop. And the deal was, as long as Moses could keep his arms up, the Israelites would win. But the Bible says Moses got tired, and his arms got heavy. And so when Moses, God loved him, his arms were probably going numb, would lower his hands, the Israelites would start to lose. And so Aaron and her had Moses sit down, and they stood on either side of Moses and held his arms up until the battle was won. And so in Exodus 17, verse 15, Moses built an altar and called its name Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. And so in conclusion tonight, I want to point out three things to you from this excerpt in Exodus 17 as it relates to the Lord being our personal banner. Number one, the battle Israel fought was not just a physical one that day. It was a spiritual one. And so it is for you and I that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. You're not just dealing with persons and personalities. There's a spiritual battle going on in our lives. And you and I need men and women of God to raise their hands and cover us. To cover us with their counsel. To cover us with their prayers and their blessings. With their correction if necessary. Because Moses' involvement... Moses' obedience to what God required to win that battle for all of them that day required Moses to do what God had called him to do. And they had to submit to what they had been told. And so I just want to encourage you and help you understand, if you don't know already, there will be battles in your life. Spiritual battles where you need the covering of spiritual authority in your life. You need their help. You need their blessing. You need their godly wisdom and insight. Amen. Secondly, I want to point out to you that Moses' hands became heavy because as amazing as he was, he was in fact a man. He was a human. A human being who needed help in the middle of a battle. Jesus Christ needed help carrying the cross. And so we see here Moses, Aaron, and her come alongside to lift up Moses' arms so that he could continue to follow the voice of God and obey God on behalf of the nation that day. And so I just wanted to say thank you to all of you who lift up our pastoral team, our ministry leaders, those of you who serve this church you are errands and hers to us. That when we get overwhelmed, when the vision seems a little out of reach and we feel weary in our well-doing, there are those of you who have come alongside us and prayed for us. You've come along.
alongside us and held up our arms with cards and encouragement and words of appreciation. And just like we need you to do that for us as leaders, you need someone in your life who is an Aaron and who is a her. I think it's significant that it wasn't just a one-person job to help Moses. Moses needed two people. And so who are you and I to think that we are any different from mighty Moses? Who is your Aaron and her? Who are the people on speed dial that you can call and you know you will call when you need prayer? My second question for you to consider is this. Who are you an Aaron or a her to? Who is it that you know when they call, I'm ready to pray? The Bible tells us to bear one another's burdens and fulfill the very law of Christ when we do that. Amen. And finally, in this story, we see Moses working in cooperation with God. The Lord was his banner, but the Lord also required Moses to lift up that banner with the staff that day. And so to wait on the Lord does not mean to sit around and do nothing while we wait for God to show up. If that were the case, then the Israelites would have lost that day. But God required, although the victory was certain for them, and it is certain for you and I, he requires our participation, and he requires our cooperation. Are you thankful for the word of the Lord on Sunday? Clearly seen in the life of Joseph, that because Joseph did all he could to remain pure and true to the God that he served, God fulfilled every promise. He fulfilled every dream, but he would not have been able to do that if Joseph had not obeyed the word of the Lord. And so whatever battle you face today or in the future, let Jehovah Nisi be your reality. Let his name be the flag that you wave in prayer over every situation. Let him be the source of what is needed in that time. Don't rely on him for just certain things, but understand that God cares about everything that you're going through. And that's why Moses could say, you are my banner. You are the one who fights for me. Your name goes ahead of me, God, and makes the victory certain in my life life. All of us are going to have battles. We're all going to have struggles, but we have the name of a mighty God who has promised to go before us and to fight alongside us. Aren't you thankful that you serve a God who did not just make his armor available to you, but he fights with you. He goes ahead of you. He fights alongside you. He doesn't just equip you. He is with you tonight. Amen. And so tonight for our app time, I would like for you to share with someone around you which name in this lesson best describes your personal need for God right now. Now you don't have to share that need. 
but between the concept of the Lord being peace and the idea of the Lord being our banner, our covering in battle, which one do you feel especially drawn to right now based on where you're at in your life? I'm going to give you a few minutes to share that, and then we will be dismissed. All right. In an attempt to dismiss you on time, I'll ask you to stand with me. And I don't know about you, but that just really strikes a chord with me that Jehovah Shalom means the Lord is peace. He is peace. And so if I have him, 
I have peace. That should be my reality. And so if it's not, then I, I need to do some introspection. I need to figure out why. What do I have instead of the Lord as the guide and my lens for a situation? Because peace is not just a promise. It is a person, Jesus Christ. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. The New Testament puts it this way. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Like those crazy buckeyes storming that field with that flag. Whatever I'm doing, wherever I am, I can have the name of God go before me. I represent that holy name, that I am not alone in my struggles, that hopefully I have an Aaron and a her in my life, even when I am doing my best for live, to live for God, I'm doing all that I know to do to obey, I can still be weary in well-doing, I can still struggle in terms of physical and even spiritual strength to do the will of God. And so I need people in my life who lift up my arms and help me keep my focus and cooperation on Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, my banner. Jesus is everything that you need him to be. And so we have a few more weeks of this series, and I'm very excited the closer we get to the end to kind of wrap all of this up for you in the New Testament. It's going to be just very amazing and powerful to understand how all of this is connected to who Jesus is in the New Testament. And so I want us to pray together and just ask the Lord to go with us as our peace and our banner. Amen. Lord, we love you and we thank you for the opportunity to know more about you. Your word gives life to us. It illuminates darkness, Lord, that we're dealing with in our hearts. And so, God, I pray that you would reveal yourself to us as Jehovah Shalom. You are peace. What we crave so much, what we think is just impossible to have in the world that we live in, you are that peace. You are the Lord, our banner. You go before us. Let us fight uh, help, let us allow you to fight our battles for us, that you would raise up that standard against the enemy, even in our own minds, God, because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, that in this spiritual battle, we need your help, and we need the help of your church to see us through. We thank you that everything we need is in you and in your great name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.